everyone. Welcome to Mapping the Tropes. My name is Paola. My name is Marianne. And my name is Adriana. And today's chosen trope is royalty. Yes, we're, we're, we're getting into, I guess, royalty is a very big umbrella. Um, just because you can like get into the fantasy, high fantasy. All of us were sort of a little bit overwhelmed with after we chose this <laughs> category because we didn't know what books to choose from it. But I think we have a good range of books that we picked. And just to give you a taste of one of the, the first book that we're going to be talking about, um, I want to talk about one of TV tropes uh, sort of sub tropes under royalty and nobility, which is the really royalty reveal. This occurs when a character who was previously thought to be relatively ordinary turns out to actually be descended from someone important and powerful, and therefore have access to that status themselves. Although this trope most commonly uses royalty, it can apply to any hereditary position of power in universe. This trope applies when the character's true heritage was previously unknown to both the audience and the character themselves. And how exactly does this tie into the book that Paola chose? Well, I chose uh, Princess in Theory by Alisa Cole, which is a like secret identity slash really royalty reveal romance. And <laughs> it's a uh, black romance as well. So the two um, main characters are black. And it's about this uh, woman who is studying, uh, she is an epidemiologist. I don't know English. Um, <laughs> um, we don't scientist. respect the colonizer language. He says STEM. Exactly. Our colonizer's language. And even then it's like, no. But yeah, she's, in, she's a woman in science. And she's been getting a lot of emails about how she's like the betrothed bride for um, the prince in a made-up country in Africa. And she's like, what the hell is this? So she's sending them, you know, she's deleting them all. But then little does she know that they're not fake emails. They're not spam. She really is betrothed to a prince. And that prince goes to her university's specifically to, you know, get to know her and, you know, get to know his future bride. Um, And he poses as Jamal. And she's like, okay, I guess I'll use you for an experiment or two. And then, you know, things happen. They fall in love. And it's great. Alisa Cole is just a master storyteller. I love her. Yeah, he like moves into like as a neighbor, I think it is. It's what happens. Yeah, he becomes like a very chaotic busboy working with her as well. <laughs> it's very funny to see a prince trying to act as a commoner. Mm-hmm. That's another good trope with the yes. royalty. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, like how many emails do we all receive? Like, like imagine being in Letty's possession um, where you, you're getting these spam emails all the time. You don't know 
you you think like why why is this random person obsessed with me trying to to convince me that I'm some secret princess and I know I'm not for sure think it's like some human trafficking scam <laughs> no no way yeah they they want all your money they want your social security number uh but yeah <laughs> I, I really like that Alyssa Cole took this sort of, uh, I guess it became sort of a meme, um, uh, took that and was like, but what if it were real? <laughs> Because even the emails are sort of formatted in the sort of yeah. like scammy, spammy way, um, yeah. which I thought was very ingenious of uh, Alyssa Cole to be able to like channel that energy um but yeah she like the main character she she's an orphan mm-hmm. um which is why she has no sort of idea about her heritage or her lineage um because she really is a sort of princess in this uh, fictional african country called or kingdom called the solo Um, I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, and she's like, I don't, I didn't, I don't remember my parents. I think they died in a car accident or, or something. And there's like this whole like political intrigue subplot. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There's like poisonings and Family stuff happening. Yeah, secrets. it feels like a very I, I know I mention Hallmark all the time, but it's because I watch a lot of Hallmark <laughs> movies, okay? But it does feel so, sort of like a Hallmark movie in a good way. You know, those movies where you just have to keep reading no matter what. A Princess in Theory and the whole series, because I, I really enjoy Alyssa Cole's writing, uh, is so entertaining. And so it's a it's pure escapism for me. It, it's a way for, you know, to, to escape. What if... I ever meet a prince, you know, what if I'm actually a secret princess? Uh, these, are, these are so fun for me to read. Yeah, same. I, I specifically enjoy them because of how escapist they are. Um, because it's just like so over the top. Like, it's just, I don't ever believe that like Prince Harry would ever try to pose as a, as a commoner. <laughs> I mean, but if you think of, if you think about it, Megan didn't know that he was a prince. Oh well, yeah, but that's just because she she didn't you know grow up with that. Actually, this is the first time I'm learning this because I have no idea about any actual <laughs> real life royals. I mean, good, good monarch. This is a disclaimer: monarchies, yeah. monarchies shouldn't exist. Um, exactly. But yeah. Except in fiction. In <laughs> fiction. Yeah, I was gonna say, I enjoy also royalty um, tropes when they're set in like these fictional countries that actually have never colonized and have never like robbed or pillaged any countries. Like it makes me feel better instead of thinking, oh my God, <laughs> this dude is from this imperialistic country. Let me, now how do I fall in love with this person like when it's from fake countries or or like oh like oh my god the prince's diaries like genovia it's not a real place so i can 
I can actually get behind being the princess of this country. <laughs> you know, we are always mind its own business and it's the most perfect country ever. You know? <laughs> sure. Actually, in The Princess Diaries, I like that it, it, it is way more like updated than in the books. Because um, in the books, it takes like four books-ish for like the, the monarchy to be not abolished because they're still, you know, Uh, symbols or figures in Genovian what is it in like Genovian politics but and in the in the in the movies it's already like from the get-go monarchies you know just symbolic uh, and there's a prime minister and yeah I I think I think that was the fun part about um, the book to movie adaptation of Prince's diaries oh yeah I also I love the movies a lot um I feel like the books drag a bit because it's a very long series so it's basically like each book is one year in the character's life or something so yeah it, it, the books kind of cut them I mean the movies the movies cut straight to the chase like oh you are actually a princess now here's princess training and let's let's see what you do yeah and yeah And in A Princess in Theory, there's nothing, like, is there? There is no, like, constitutional monarchy, right? Like it's No, up. I don't think so. But, the, but that gives us a whole lot of drama, and I love that. In that series, even Alyssa Cole's newest royal series, in the Runaway Royals, their, char their characters that appeared in the third of the... Reluctant Royal series. So it's really cool to see how Alyssa Cole has this whole like world building um, within what, you know, people will be like, oh, it's such a superficial like romance novel, whatever. It's like royalty. Romance, at least like royalty romance, might seem very superficial to a lot of people, porque, like, because like, you, you know, you're, you're fantasizing like about royalty that doesn't exist obviously because there's only like a handful of people who are actually royals but within Alyssa Cole's universe there are a lot more kingdoms um, especially in like African countries and she's giving this sort of like almost like I want to say like Black Panther vibe because she's like oh they were protected from colonization So it's very channeling this sort of thing. And I really like that um, in her two series because it affects both series and the things that the characters, all, all of the characters do have implications, not just within their little world, but they have implications in the population of their kingdoms, but also outside of their kingdoms. Yeah, there's a lot of political intrigue in the series, at least in the first one, I feel like it it's a very good introduction as to the for the political intrigue that is in the in the series and i think that's interesting considering considering it is contemporary romance mm -hmm. and a lot of contemporary romances are very like apolitical like the prince is just a prince and nothing like politics don't affect mm -hmm. any of the character's choices he he you know he's just a prince and he He's there. <laughs> He's a prince yeah. and he loves you. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's what matters. He has money 
and yeah. likes you and, <laughs> and is hot. handsome yes yeah. yeah exactly and that's and he's know. great at sex no but that's <laughs> just in the book <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah exactly it's very you know just not shallow because i i think all books have its own little depth however little it is but I think it adds an extra flavor when you um, have the political intrigue <laughs> exactly also I think there was also I think there was also some complications in their relationship because Naledi she you know she's a woman in STEM she wanted to progress and how does she leave her whole life behind to go with him to the solo um how how do you even try and have that that complete shift from being you know a a, a nobody in in where was it in New York I think to to a princess in a whole different continent a whole different country so that was that's sometimes these are things that aren't ex explored because it's just like the entire book going through angst and then at the end okay and we live happily ever after the end but here Alyssa Cole kind of I would say she she explores it and she uh, develops it more so we can believe more in the relationship yeah. and even then I think Naledi goes to the solo and at that point I think they're like kind of fake dating or fake married or something fake engaged or, or or they're like not really talking to each other because he unveiled that he was a prince and and didn't mention it <laughs> yeah there's like they they like have to like huddle for warmth at a certain point and it was really good um <laughs> I cackle I cackle because I live for that yeah the the, the sex scenes in this book yeah. are amazing like they're just again Elisa Cole is a genius so <laughs> yeah and I think her books keep getting better and better in that series I particularly love from the series one of the short novels once one once ghosted twice shy It, it's a female-female romance. Uh, it was beautiful. The end with one of the bodyguards. Was, yes, it one was a romance with the bodyguard. I mean, Alyssa Cole, even writing these short stories where you think, okay, what's going to happen? And she does it beautifully. And now in the next series, like the Run Runaway Royals, her most recent book is a full female-female book. We love book. to see it. This podcast is turning into Alyssa Cole lovers, and we regret nothing. Stan Alyssa Cole, get all her books. Um, I would say stream Alyssa Cole, but like, I guess if you can find an audiobook, you can also listen to <laughs> We will get Alyssa Cole a Grammy somehow. I don't know how, but we will. Yeah. Get a Grammy for audiobook. Yeah. <laughs> Marianne, do you want to talk about your book? Oh, I totally do. Um, I'm going a different route this time around. Uh, my book is kind of YA slash 
new adult because it deals with some mature themes and it's called The Wrath and the Dawn by Rene Adier. Yeah, a classic. It classic. is a staple, like the blueprint of <laughs> fantasy inspired fairy tale books. It is a book inspired by Arabian Nights and it's one of the most big Spectacular. I say this about every book, but I, I, I always mean it. I always mean it. You mean it is it. a spectacular book, and the royalty aspect in this one is a common person marrying a prince, a king, uh, to kill him. That's her only purpose. She wants to marry him to kill him and to end his reign of terror against their their country. So, so basically, this person, the protagonist, is called Sharsad or Shazi, as we know her in the during the the book and the king and Khalid. And so, the the protagonist, she's 16 years old. But I say this verges into new adult because the I mean, one of the first scenes we see is a sex scene between uh, the protagonist and the king. Um, And after that, night after night, she has to tell him a different story so he doesn't kill her during the night. And if she can captivate captivate him each night without through her stories, then she will survive and she can through through these different little tales that she weaves try and kill him in the process. What I like about this series and this royalty aspect is because Shazi She is not a queen. She is not a princess. She is nothing royal, but she carries herself with the grace and the the the, the self esteem and the her her entire attitude is royalty. She commands the book in such a spectacular way. I'm saying spectacular again because why not? <laughs> it deserves it. It deserves all the like super super. Yes, I mean this book is amazing. She, the way they fall in love is also so saucy. I love saying that saucy because <laughs> saucy because it's just it's basically hate to love, and she she knows that she shouldn't fall in love with him because he has killed so many people. He killed her best friend. I mean, there is a curse upon the kingdom that she she has to end, but she's in love with him. She has to fight against that love, against, it's a betrayal against her morals, against herself, but what does she do, you know? And the way royalty plays upon this trope here is because Khalid is absolutely head over heels in love with her. Like he will move everything for Shazi. And he gives her so much power, so much autonomy. She, he loves yeah, her I, so much. I, I love it because it's like you have this guy who's tired of having to do his duty to his kingdom. Um, he's tired of being told that he has to like sacrifice all these girls, and he tries to like he he. I think at some point he explains that he tries to give these girls like I guess a good night before they have to die and like in the end of the book like 
we can sort of spoil this book. It has been out for like a decade now. Um, but you know, he there it's shown that he wrote letters for all of the girls who died prior to uh Sharsad, like basically saying that he's sorry that and like writing what best he remembered about these girls because he regrets so much and the thing is he's he's not a murderer for the fun of it it's literally a curse of which no one knows about you know so when when we we discover it as readers it kind of for me it humanizes more the the both the king and the the conflict at hand you know uh they're both fighting against something bigger than themselves in a way that they have to save the kingdom but also try not to kill each other in the process that's so interesting i did not know that it was like a like a curse on him um we've spoiled it for you <laughs> i i have it i bought a really nice uh the the really nice covers the, the covers are really pretty i i don't know the wrath and the dawn but i do know um the the fact that you know it's based in arabian nights 1001 nights and when i was in like fourth grade i went to um i want to say it was a mexican uh musical production meaning mexicans wrote it and produced it and everything and it was not like a Broadway adaptation called Sherezada, which is, you know, the same thing. And it was fabulous. Like I remember it was my first time in a theater in a really, really long time, despite me being like 11 years old. And the like hate to love aspect of it, how the the king is so um what is like enamored by uh, Sherezada's um, storytelling. Oh, I die. And he was played by a hot guy. <laughs> oh, well, then you definitely need to read this one then. My yeah. next episode, you have to read. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're giving you homework. <laughs> oh, no, but I really will read. Um, the book it sounds super interesting especially now that you say that it's a, it's the curse that he is killing all these uh women that's so cool there is a lot of complicated threads here that you will unravel <laughs> if you read it yes oh i will i will <laughs> I, i'm so in so adriana what about your book well the connection i have from yours to mine is the fact that um, the, the, they both deal with a little bit of repression. They're both very repressed heroes um, because the book I shows is Her Virgin Duke by Nicola Davidson. Now, this is a historical romance, a sort of like Regency type story. And the premise of it is this sort of nicknamed humdrum ton because people around him think he's so boring. Basically, during like the the 
like Christmas celebrations and stuff, one of his friends who's like this chaotic entity sort of bets that he has to go to a pleasure club or I guess like it's a sex club. And <laughs> he goes there and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just here, you know, just because I was, it was a bet. And the uh, owner of the club, Delilah, she sort of welcomes him into the, the club and is like, let me show you around. I'm not going to throw you into the deep end. But, you know, here are these th- these things. And she starts sort of talking to him about sex. Um, and he's, like, so a little bit scandalized about the whole thing. Um, because he's, like, he is a virgin as well. So he's never had this experience around sex. And he actually has a lot of, like, trauma related to sex. Because he was raised... Uh, specifically to be a duke Um, and the people around him after his like parents died um, the the people who were like his tutors were like you have to learn how to be organized and keep your estate before you're even you even think about marrying or getting like a girlfriend because that would be a distraction you need to focus on this and so he carries around a lot of guilt around sex and like arousal even like he can't even like masturbate um and so it's it was a very interesting read it's a it's very short it's a novella and yeah I really liked it because it's like this very experienced woman in the in this like regency era teaching this like very established aristocrat um how to like deal with his own body and like design and uh, yeah his desires and um learning that there's no shame in either not wanting sex or actually wanting sex because he actually wants to but he he just has like mental blocks around it so it's oh my god he was raised catholic basically <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, friends. (laughs) Basically, I mean, what's the difference between uh, British uh, Protestantism and Catholicism? Uh, I mean, there's a lot different, but you know. So, are there scenes where they like where she like teaches him in detail stuff? You know, you know that they're they're. Like it's a very, very pretty short novella, but I feel like it has a lot of good sex scenes spread throughout, uh, pun intended. Um, (laughs) But but then it starts like developing into this this sweet sort of romance because you know he as as she starts sort of mentoring him in the like art of like sensuality and all these things um he starts seeing that she wants to get out of the like pleasure club she doesn't want to be the owner anymore she wants to focus more on like giving back to the community because she has a lot of money now um and wants to open a like a a school and all these things um and he's like oh Oh god a social justice warrior i love her yeah so he he sees her mission 
And he's like, yeah, I, I can see myself with you. And you don't make fun of me for being boring. Well, you're not boring. You're just repressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a very repressed lad. Um, I say lad. He's he. I think he's he was pretty old in the book. But like, um, not like old, old as in like an octogenarian. But like he's like in his 30s or whatever. Um um so yeah it's it was a very interesting read it's, it was a part of like uh an anthology and the author Nicola Davidson she she uh published it independently um which I'm glad I read I, I have no regrets of of reading it um yeah you call it a novella but it, it sounds like it has um a lot of things that are happening so it's a very packed, very, very juicy novella. A it's thick a, novella. It's a, it's a thick, it's a thick boy. I like that. <laughs> thick in terms of plot. Um, yeah. Um, it's like less than 200 pages, I think. Um, so it's a pretty short story. Um, yeah, I, I really like it. I like Nicola Davidson's books in general because they focus a, a lot more on the like pleasure aspects and there's a lot of like repression which I found like mm, tasty um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the whole thing with like historical romances exist because they're like oh these people who were so fucking repressed about you know showing skin yeah I bet they had like hot sex. Um. <laughs> but also, in I've read like three-ish historical romances max, and the usually we we have like one very repressed person, or not necessarily repressed, but just like the virgin, and we have the the you know the more experienced person more forward person and that brings and usually it's the woman the virgin yeah and the, the guy the, the rape exactly. you know the... exactly so that's it's interesting that we well well that you are talking about um one that like subverts that archetype yeah yeah i really like finding that that type like historical romances I'm I'm a little bit picky about them because I want to see something different I don't want to see like the same type of story over and over again so I go looking for like these types of like women who are out there in society trying to make a change um or like men who are like portrayed as rakes but are actually have like a soft side to them or something um so like that's why I I I will like go towards the Courtney Milans of it all or like Cat Sebastian. Yeah, I was I was gonna say Courtney Milans brother yeah. sinister series. One of them. he is also a virgin hero. Yeah, like he's a virgin because he doesn't want to have any children out of wedlock because he he knows he doesn't want to be like mm -hmm. his father. Like there's a lot of uh trauma that he has to unpack mm -hmm. but it's very wholesome i guess to see 
there's nothing bad with having sex, but seeing virgin heroes mm -hmm. is very interesting to see because everyone always assumes like the man always gets action and he is always yeah. having sex, whatever. So it's 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 nice to see different types of characters being portrayed. Yeah, I, I really like that type of thing. Um, that's why I also gravitate towards like um, stories where either the 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 people in the relationship are have already experienced sex in some way. Like there's a book called The Rakus by Scarlett Peckham. Um, and she is the rake. She's the like sex positive, goes around talking to women about sex and pleasure and all these and like relationships. And he go girl. Yeah. Hashtag girl boss. Um, <laughs> hashtag historical girl. Hashtag historical girl boss. And he is like a single father who is widowed. So like he knows, he knows about sex. He's fucked, you know? <laughs> he fucks. You know, we've established that he fucks and that's good. And she fucks as well. Um <laughs> That's the type of historical romance that I get that I'm attracted to. I, I'm really looking forward to Adriana Herrera's newest like Paris historical romance series, which has like Afro Dominicanas in like Paris running around Paris. Um, <laughs> we we <laughs> I I really like her Virgin Duke. Just to like come back around to the to the book that I chose. What I like about the book you chose, um, Adriana, is they, like I already said, it 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 subverts different expectations that we see, but also because it's a historical romance, I really enjoy the the woman being like this very infamous. I would like I want I was gonna say slutty, but I feel like that's kind of rude. <laughs> uh, it's it's whole behavior. It's whole behavior. Um, this this <laughs> this very infamous, sexy, uh, how, promiscuous. That's the word I was looking for. This very promis promiscuous girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like a very promiscuous type of character because I usually only read. Um, not by choice, but because that's what I find. I only read like these sheltered female um, main characters that they, they, they've never touched a man before or only very safe vanilla sex or whatever. So it's, <laughs> it's yeah, that's why I don't do too many <laughs> historical romances. But now that you tell me this, I will definitely try yeah. Nicola Davis. Same, same, same. Also, uh, I wanted, I, I kind of wanted to mention Ella Enchanted by Gail Carson Levine, which uh, has a very nice uh, movie adaptation, even though it's not faithful to, to the book featuring Anne Hathaway. And it's like a jukebox road trip musical. Oh, it's so great. And the book is also really good, even though it's, you know, a little darker than you know it's not a, a as disney sugar coating thingy um on paper but on screen oof so i love the movie so a lot it's one of my comfort movies uh 
Anne Hathaway, first of all, super pretty, like a young, very young Anne Hathaway. She is a princess, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but it's uh, you know the thing about being cursed to do everything people tell you to do. So I was like, why doesn't someone tell her don't do what other people tell you to do? <laughs> what would happen there? But the movie itself is very don't break it because, don't break the story don't, don't break the story <laughs> <laughs> no because we discussed at the beginning about romances that don't touch upon real world issues and i think uh in ella enchanted there's this subplot about ogres being mistreated and about different political clashes people who are treated as second class And it's interesting that they touch this with a fictional universe and fictional creatures, magical creatures. Yeah, it's it was interesting to to see it play out in a very fun, uh, light-hearted movie. Because I, I, it, it does. I don't know. I, my memory failed me, but I think that it was really well explored. I don't know about you guys. Well, I think the best example of that is uh, the best romantic movie of all time, uh, Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also kind of royalty romance, actually. It's a royalty romance. hidden royalty romance. The best royalty romance out there, you guys. Alyssa Cole, sit down because Shrek is here. <laughs> Exactly. And I honestly can't wait for, you know, like it's it's comeback because people are like into nostalgia things. And I want Shrek to be at the spotlight of that because we are old. Like it came out over 10 years ago and I am not okay. 20 exactly. 20. Wow, you're lying to me. No, no, no. no. 20, 20. It turned 20 this year. I re it I rewatched it on Hulu this week. It was good. The Spanish version, though, right? It wasn't available in Spanish. Oh no! I wanted to watch it in Spanish, but I kept I kept quoting it in Spanish. I was like, "Deberitas, deberitas." <laughs> listeners, listeners, if you know Spanish, you should definitely see Shrek in Spanish. A masterpiece. There's nothing that compares to Shrek in Spanish. Nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Yeah, no, I tried watching it in English once and we got like two minutes in and my sister and I were like, nope. I think because the inside jokes also slap really hard in Espanol. Wow, the way we diverted from romance to Shrek. It's all connected. It's all connected. Um, Shrek is life. Yeah, Shrek so. is love. Shrek is life. You know, you should know that by now. We should uh, wrap <laughs> up now. <laughs> Let's just. Uh, I'm gonna talk about where you can find me. Um, find me at Barikwa Reads on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, somewhere on YouTube, um, on this podcast. Uh, yeah, it's just like worth while though on YouTube. Um, And yeah, I think that's all the places you can find me. Yeah, uh, Paola? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Gererar, which is 
G-U-E-R-R-E-R-A-W-R. I have a blog. It's called lovepaola.wordpress.com. And Paola goes with two A's in the end. Uh, I have a booktube channel. You can find me there at Paola M. Guerrero. Oh, I'm planning the second edition, 2021 edition of Latinx Heritage Month Book Fest. And I have, you know, announcements and sign-up sheets coming up soon. I am also planning a virtual indie book fest. Fun stuff is happening, or I'm making fun stuff happening. <laughs> How about you, Marianne? Yeah, well, you can find me at Twitter at Bookish Boricua. Uh, Instagram at Reads by Starlight, and you can definitely please do you know consider to contact me for a sensitivity read on Latinx themed books. Yeah, I, I will be participating in a few things with Paola. Uh, so yes, just just keep your eyes peeled for for our interactions and our participation. Yes. Yeah. Just please share, rate the podcast, leave us a review wherever you can you're listening. You know, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM. Right now, give us some love. Uh follow us on Twitter at Mapping Tropes and Instagram at Mapping the Tropes. You can also contact us via email mappingthetropes at gmail.com. If you have trope ideas or things you believe we should cover, we're already getting really good suggestions. So please keep doing it because we love to hear what you guys, you know, what you guys let us know. And that's it for this episode of Mapping the Tropes, this romance books podcast that sort of delved into uh, Shrek and royalty. And next one, we'll be delving into small town romances. Yay. Good night. Goodbye. Uh, and this was Mapping the Trolls, baby. <laughs> See you later. Bye.